Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana, and my podcast partner is Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Before I get started, I wanted to remind you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, and one way you can support us is by visiting our website, shop.dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web. I know everybody needs some marching shoes right now, maybe some Velocities or the, uh, the new crossover shoe. We've got all sorts of different rifles. We have a six-foot podium. In fact, if you're in Texas and you're looking for a six-foot command center, I've got one that's going to be down at the DSI booth. Uh, in Texas, and you could take it home for very little shipping. You could just tow it home this summer. So let me know if you're interested. Just give us a chance. I think our prices will surprise you. Today, I'm excited to talk about some tips and tricks and advice uh, on marching fundamentals and movement fundamentals. And I talk about these things at the beginning of our course called The System, which kind of replaced our first video, Dynamic Marching and Movement, Volume 1. I kind of have a checklist to follow uh, when I'm thinking about teaching and when I'm getting ready to do a rehearsal. Um, I think the number one thing, and I talk, talk about this all the time when I get a chance with other directors, is not skipping steps. It's really important. You know, that's why we put out the system and uh, it's just step by step. Here's what I do to make sure that the students don't skip right from algebra to calculus. You know, there's, it's just like programming at the high school level from, from other academic classes. I personally have been doing this a long time and I don't have to write out my teaching progression uh, before I get to each rehearsal. I know what it is. I could I could write it down on the spot. But if you're if you're not comfortable teaching visual, I think it's a great idea to print off what is your exact progression that you're going to go through. Are you going to start with posture? Are you going to start with some isometrics? Are you going to start with something like habit or 50-50? Just write down the order that you're going to teach those things in and have an idea for how long those are going to take. It's also important to understand that students really don't know the first time they hear it. Um, You need to plan to revisit these concepts. If you think about like a tank track, you know, um, you know, it goes around and around and around. So if you if you introduce something today, Make sure you're, you're, you're focusing on when you get to come back to that a week from now and a month from now and, and what concepts do you need to revisit on a daily basis. Another bit of big picture advice that I would give you is make sure that you have some rehearsals that are very detail focused on just one thing and making that one concept really, really good and digging in on that detail. Whereas other rehearsals, you, you actually come into that rehearsal knowing hey, I'm just going to hit all of the various things that we do, forward, backwards, slides, direction changes, that kind of stuff. And make sure you're not trying to combine those two things in one rehearsal or, or the students get a little bit bogged down. Are we, are we doing details right now or are we doing reps? One of the things that I think I've been really successful with is I really understand why we do the exercises that we do. So make sure if you, if you have a list of visual exercises that you're going to uh, present to your group, make sure you go back and review, well, why do we do up for four and down for fours? I think, you know, there are some groups who do up for four, down for fours or high mark time or something like that. And, and the students might look great at it, but unless you can vocalize to the group, you know, what, why exactly are we doing that exercise? It's probably not going to be as successful as you hope it's going to be. 
I think there's there's an exercise that that I've done with a couple different groups called Hindu, and it really breaks your posture all the way down and then builds it all the way back up. And the first couple of times I saw it was I was like, okay, I could do this exercise and I understand why some people do it. For me, I would just rather teach posture as a checklist uh, because I think it, it takes less time than breaking it all down and building it back up. But some people would disagree with me and they, they would say, okay, well, the reason we do this is because we want them to be able to take that posture all the way down to relax and then build it all the way back up again. And that's fine. Okay, so when I was planning out the system video with Chris Catholic, I came up with 11 things I think are like the 11 critical things for mastering marching and movement instruction. So as a teacher, these 11 things are things that you need to make sure that you are doing. So number one, have great pacing in your rehearsals. You have to make marching fundamentals fast paced and fun. You know, if, if you have a day where it's all details and it's all standing in a block, the students check out pretty easily, you know, and obviously sometimes you're going to have to have a detail rehearsal, but those can't be an hour long. Make it fun. Keep things moving. I like to use students names. You know, that kind of helps helps them perk up even when it's in a big group. And I want to make sure that whatever we're doing, the students are engaged. If you see them start to like kind of doze off, you know that the pacing of your rehearsal is not quite right. Number two, teach with passion. Your students need to know that you're buying into the process and you're excited about what you're teaching as much as, you know, the amount of passion you show for the music. I think there are many directors and staff members out there who are very, very passionate about the music side of things. And since maybe they have a small staff or no staff, they're like, well, I have to do the visual, too. If you think to yourself, I have to teach the visual, then already you're losing the battle. You're not going to have as much passion when you think I have to go do this as as if you if you approached it like I really want to do this. I really want them to get better and increase their achievement and visual. The students will really notice a different if you're passionate or not. Now, I'm not a super high energy teacher. You know, I'm, I'm pretty chill. And, you know, some people in the past have said you need to be way more, uh, you know, full of energy when you teach. But that's not really me. I have a clear passion for teaching marching and movement fundamentals, but it's not like a cheerleader jumping up and down in front of them. That's for other people. Number three, I think you need to have a very clear message. In other words, what do you want them to know? Can a student repeat back to you? Hey, Susie, what was the point of that exercise we just did? Like, why, why did we spend an hour on that? that? If that student can't repeat back to you and say something like, well, we were working on small muscle groups and we we're working on balance, Okay, then the message hasn't gone out the way that you want it to. One of the things we talked about in, in our professional learning communities one time was what do we want the students to know? How do we know if they know it? And what do we do about it if they don't? And I think that's a great way of approaching this. The message is, you know, what exactly do we want them to know? And, and then from there, you can kind of move on and ask yourself, well, how do I know if they know it? You know, a lot of times in visual, it's like, well, their feet aren't in time. They're, you know, they don't look uniform. They don't look the same. So it, it's really pretty easy to figure out if they don't know it. Uh, but obviously the third part of that, how do we fix that is, is just knowing the system and all of these 11 things that we're talking about today. Number four, make sure you have a strong plan. You know, how much time do you have today for visual, for marching and movement fundamentals? Um, what do you think you'll do during that time? 
What are your goals for today? Um, you know, a lot of people will, I, I will do this in my head, but again, I've been doing this such a long time. I don't need to write it down. Some people may need to go, you know, this is exactly what I need to accomplish today and put it on paper. And they may need to look at, here's what we need to accomplish over the next week. Here's what we need to accomplish over the next month. If it's something that you're not extremely comfortable with, that plan is really going to save you. Number five, and this is great to teach your young uh, leadership kids, you know, any of the students who are in your group who are helping you to teach, use buzzwords. Buzzwords are just short, maybe just one word, maybe three words like timing, step size, posture, all of those things that you can get across to somebody in a really short amount of time. You know, I was, I was talking to our leadership students the other day and I said, imagine you had to throw a dart to fix the problem. It's just boom, hits the dartboard. You know, you, you can't, especially as a young teacher, you probably don't have all of the information you need in, in order to make the best comment possible. But all you can do is say, John, posture. And, and John kind of lights that kid up and they're like, oh, they're talking to me. And then posture, oh, I know the posture checklist. And that's something that I can fix on my own. You know, maybe some other words, you know, you, maybe you're watching somebody do across the floors and you're watching one line and like in the first line, you're like, Susie, timing. You watch the second line, you come by and you're like, John, step size. And the next line comes by and there's another name and another buzzword. Not only is that a good way to include all of the students in what you're talking about and give them something to work on, but it's a time saver. You know, they're not waiting for you to finish the entire exercise and then go, okay, here's what I saw from everyone. You know, students who are really doing a great job don't want to hear, hey, you're all struggling with timing. So I think buzzwords is a great way of assigning a specific name with a specific short problem and getting it done. Bobby talks a lot about short, simple sentences, and I think that's, that's kind of the same idea as buzzwords. And that's when you're teaching your students to be peer teachers they have to focus on short, simple sentences. And the other thing uh, that I noticed at rehearsal this week is when I did pair people up, I heard a lot of students turn to the other student and say, that was good. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of the enemy of great. That's the enemy of achievement, right? It's just saying that was good. There's got to be something they can work on in, in that particular exercise. Last thing about buzzwords, I know that it's important and we all learn to do uh, the compliment sandwiches. And at BOA camp, we were talking with some of the leadership kids there about this, where you say, hey, that was a really, really good rep for you in terms of timing. Your posture wasn't quite as good as it should be. Um, but the other thing you did really well was you were watching the form. You know, that's awesome if you have time. But, but let's not focus on compliment sandwiches when really what you need to do is throw a dart, you know, and make sure that that one student can fix that one thing for that next rep. Number six, make sure you're consistent. You know, obviously you don't want to play favorites. Um, you don't want to let your expectations and discipline swing widely from day to day. You know, you can't one day expect people to follow a rehearsal process and then the next day ignore it. Yeah, what comes to mind for me is check and adjust and set and minus ones and plus ones. When you're doing drill rehearsals, it's really easy to spend a lot of time right up right up front to say, here's our rehearsal process. And every time when you finish, you're going to freeze. And then we're going to say check and you're going to do this. We're going to say adjust and you're going to do that. And then you're going to go to standby and then you're going to get instructions. All that is awesome. And actually, if you want more information on a great process of doing that, listen to uh, the course that Chris Crakey did on dynamicmarching.com. 
uh, regarding visual ensemble. It's awesome, okay? But you got to be consistent with it. You can't put that whole thing out there and the next day go, okay, we're in a hurry, you know, and then you as the teacher forget that process or you can't come down on somebody really hard for not having a dot book one day, but then the next day not come down on a different kid. Students really want a safe, predictable environment. And sometimes we as directors just need to double check on our end if we're being consistent. You know, I tell my, my own two sons that sometimes you feel like I'm being unreasonable and you don't understand why, you know, maybe a rule is there or whether I ask, you know, to be home at 11 p.m. or whatever, but at least I'm consistent. I'm not like, hey, you have no cur curfew today and then tomorrow you got to be home at 10. I'm pretty consistently un unreasonable, you know, when it comes to being a strict parent. Number seven, use show and tell. If you see a student who has mastered a specific skill that you're working on, call them out by name in front of the rest of the group. I, you know, the opposite of that I would never do. I, I never single somebody out and I'm like, hey, did everybody see how poorly Jeff did that exercise? That would be horrible. Okay, that's like belittling. That's the opposite of what we want to do when we're being good teachers. But if you do see something that's going really well, you've got to point it out or maybe two or three students. I do this all the time. I learned this from Richard Saucedo. He did this all the time with students. Hey, who can play this lick? Great. And, you know, somebody will will raise their hand and he'll have them play it. I do the same thing. Hey, who thinks this last rep went really well? Other times I just pick a student. I mean, like, whoa, look at that jazz run. Everybody look at this. This is what we're looking for. That's what we want to see from each and every one of you. That student puffs up and it's their best day ever. And the other students have, you know, some hope. They're like, well, that kid's only a sophomore. I'm a sophomore. You know, I can look like that too. I love to do show and tell. Number eight, use a variety of drills and exercises. Now, this has a little caveat with it. Don't go overboard though. You know, uh, there are a variety of exercises in place because Block drills are very good for some things. You know, there's box drill, there's uh, isometrics where you're kind of standing in place, working on one step forward, one step backward, 50-50 habit, up for four, down for fours, all that stuff. So all that stuff has a place. Across the floors is great for keeping the momentum of the rehearsal going and, and really seeing individuals. Um, you know, V drill is important for certain things. Circle drill is important for certain things. There's there's all sorts of drills and exercises that you can do, but you could also go overboard and give the students so many drills and exercises that they don't really know why they're doing them and they never really succeed at one particular uh, exercise at all. The goal is not to confuse the students, but it's rather you're going to try to challenge them. And I think of it like preparing them for any situation that they might encounter on the field. So you're giving them enough exercises so that when you give them drill, you're not explaining to each individual student how to go from set two to three to four. They've already experienced what that angle looks like and, and they're able to figure that out on their own. You wanna match the drill to the skill. Number nine, I would say you need to establish a pre-show routine or sequence. I actually gave my entire pre-show routine and sequence on the system videos. And all that is, is just if you only have 10 minutes to do fundamentals one day, or if you only have 10 minutes to warm up, it's going to be like this. We're going to do the, the swagger walk. We're going to do toe lead, like legato walking. We're going to do halftime marching. We're going to march. We're going to do forward slides. We're going to do backward march, backward slides, and then, you know, jazz run. 
And that's going to be what we call the pre-show routine because it's also a lot of times what we do when we show up to our, um, a show site. You know, we only have 15 minutes or maybe even like seven minutes at some places. So they have to know, okay, it's very consistent. I know that, that our music instructors do this as well. And that's where I kind of got the idea from this is, the, you know, when you first put your uh, horn up during a music warm up for a show or even just a quick rehearsal, you know, you're not going to start with articulation exercises. It's, it's very predictable. We're going to breathe. We're going to play F concert. We're going to do exercise one, one. We're going to all of this. And so it becomes something where you're like you're expecting what the next thing is. And there's no reason to throw a curveball at the students. You're trying to get them ready to perform at the highest level. This is the time where it's literally just a warm up and a check. And every once in a while you're correcting somebody. But really, the whole goal of the pre-show is confidence. That's why we start with the swagger walk. It's like walk from here to there. And I want you to look like you are Kobe Bryant walking on the field or walking on the court or you're, you know, you're Peyton Manning getting ready to go into the Super Bowl. And, you know, what does it feel like to walk in? I mean, let's be honest, this year, the Blue Coats, it's clear that they kind of walk into stadiums that way. Blue Devils have always been known for doing this as they just kind of like have this aura about them. And I want my students, no matter if it's my, my day-to-day group or any of the smaller groups that I work with, I want them to walk into shows feeling that confident. So just make sure this warm up is consistent and comprehensive and design it so that they're going to be confident, not confused. Number 10, teach the whole student. This is a huge big deal right now in education. We've had all sorts of training uh, in our professional development in our, this, this past year, and it's all about social emotional learning. And I think we need to be aware of that on the field as well. You know, a good teacher is going to be aware of both the emotional and the physical needs of the students, in addition to the musical needs and, you know, what you want to get out of them. And this is such a bigger deal to me now that I have teenage boys. Um, Having my own son, Connor, in the marching band the last four years was a great reminder that, man, I know he had a really bad day. This test didn't go well. Maybe he had this argument with me about something stupid or, you know, like you kind of know all those things and you're like, man, they're not having a great rehearsal, but they had a bad day. And that's really helped me. I think just being a parent of a teenager, and this has helped me in the classroom as well to just remember there's a lot more going on than marching band. And number 11 on my tips and tricks for mastering marching and movement instruction is praying. You just have to pray that you're doing the right thing. And you have to pray that, you know, you have the strength to, to continue the whole season and you're praying that you make the right decisions and that you plan and that you, you're just trying to make sure that, you know, you are doing the right thing as the adult to set up all these students for success. I know, I hope you have a great season and I hope these tips and tricks are helpful for you. Again, if you, if you want to learn more about my process, check out the system and we'll be back next week with Bobby and we'll have some more wisdom from him. But until then, I'm Jeff Young and this is That Band Life.